Thanks for allowing me to show the video. Thought it was pretty interesting from a kid's perspective. I uh, I was reading uh, through the Gospels again, uh, knowing that I had to speak closest to Christmas, and uh, I was just kind of amazed, sitting there thinking about all the uh, like the deep stuff of the incarnation, and, and um, there's so much death, and yet, um, sometimes I think I, I forget how simple it was, too, that God became a baby. It's so easy for us to, uh, in some ways... Um, Look at the story. It's so easy to look back now historically because we know the story. We know all the historical, spiritual depth to it. But if you were there that night, I was just a young teenage girl having a baby with her husband. And uh, the world probably didn't even notice. And so I was just reminded again of um, that's how he decided to come into the world. Um, that was his plan. And so, to me, the incarnation is just uh, an example. Uh, it's just a huge example of how we should live our lives. Um, he was a real-life example that God chose to be poor for us, to live humbly, to serve, and to put others first. The reason uh, him being a baby and coming in and through that process just shows the character of God so much. And so sometimes I just think, you know, maybe I should just take the story at face value like that sometimes. <laughs> and just realize, wow, God, God decided to do this as a baby. And uh, I do think it's amazing, again, that the incarnation is the, is the simple fact that he has said, um, I, I am like you. And so the Bible says it's appointed once for man to die and then the judgment. Every single one of us will stand before God one day. And we'll be judged. And we know there's differences there between the believer and non. I do love the fact that God has designed in his perfect plan that humans never will have the right to look at God in that day and, and say, you don't know what it's like to be a man. There truly is no excuse for us as human beings. You can't look at God and say you just don't understand. Because he does. <laughs> and he didn't start. I was just talking to a friend at work. He, he was still confused. He, he literally asked me, did Jesus kind of come to earth as a full-grown man? And I went, no. That's, that's what Christmas is. But if that's, if, if that's where we need to start, that's cool. Like, I'll... <laughs> I'll talk to you about that. But, uh, you know, he started in such humility, such humility. And so um, I was reminded that he's asked us to do the same. Turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18.
Matthew chapter 18, like typical adults. Here's what is going on in their mind. We're going to start in verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Let's look to the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much. Um, for the way you've uh, incarnated. Thank you so much that um, for the way you've written your gospel. Thank you so much that your gospel is free and that your gospel transcends all times and cultures, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we again praise and exclaim how great and precious is your name that those who call on it will be saved, regardless of backgrounds. And so thank you so much that you are a big enough God that you can take all of our burdens. We pray during this time that you would be honored and glorified and that we would just uh, get to know you more and to see your lovely character. In your name, amen. Right, and so this kind of, this portion in Scripture, um, if, if the background of my mind is thinking of Jesus coming as a baby and then uh, hear uh, Jesus' disciples saying, hey, listen, when you set up this kingdom, who's the greatest? Like, how does this work? How do you climb the corporate ladder in your kingdom? Uh, I want to make sure I got a, a high prominent position. I don't want to be one of the low guys. Um, we've heard the stories of old, right, where a lot of times Jewish people thought when their Messiah comes, he's going to rule, he's going to take him out of Roman oppression, and the story gets flipped upside down, right? He comes as a baby, and he dies on a cross to actually set them free. And so when Jesus sits there and says, listen, I want you to become like little children. It was interesting to me, and yet I thought, wow, that's interesting, because he, he already has done that. <laughs> he became a little child. And so he's not asking them to do something that he himself has not done. And so we know that here, contextually, it would talk about not acting childish, but childlike. A lot of scripture talks about being mature. But he's talking about being childlike and not childish. Uh, one person wrote it like this. The special attributes of children, which he would recommend, are humility, unworldliness, simplicity, teachableness. They directly uh, are contrary to self-seeking, worldliness, distrust, and conceit. So he's saying, listen, how, how do we achieve greatness in your kingdom? He goes, oh, well, okay, be like a child then. So I can already see you're not thinking correctly. You're not thinking correctly. And so... This idea of being like a child, I just wanted to go through a few things that um, maybe children do uh, or have done in Scripture and uh, how that can be applied to our lives, thinking that uh, Jesus Christ became a child. And again, I, I don't want to get used to that story. I don't want to try to sound profound and think of something different. I think it's just good to be reminded um, every uh, day really, but during this time of year that God became a baby and was completely dependent on his mother and father. And that should just blow your mind for a long, long time. Um, and that he understood what it was like to go to school and to learn a trade um, and to have to obey mom and dad. Uh, he went through that. He got friends. He probably had 
uh, people growing up that didn't like him. All those things you get to experience by living down here, he went through um, as a man. Turn over to Matthew chapter 21. It's funny, I don't think I've ever seen this before until I was looking at this. This is when Jesus cleans the temple up. It's a pretty uh, energetic scene. He's driving people out of the temple, overturning tables. Um, he's talking pretty boldly. Matthew chapter 21, verse 14, it says, Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. It was pretty interesting. He's driving people out of the temple. It's a big old scene. Who told the blind and lame people, come on in now? I have no idea. I would like to know, though. It was just the Spirit of God telling him, okay, go in the temple now. It's cleaned up. And he heals them in the temple. And then it says in verse 15, But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant. I think it would be nice to be like these children and to be childlike who are simply thanking and praising God for what they saw. If you were a child at that time, I don't know if they understood all the depth of the scripture he was quoting. I don't know if they understood what it meant that God decided to dwell in that temple for his people Israel and all the historical and the present day theology behind all of that. I don't know if they understood, wow, this Jesus is throwing people out. <laughs> I don't know if they got all that. I think what they did see was this, lame people and blind people getting healed. And they went, this guy's awesome. Right? It's a simplicity in their reasoning for praising the Lord. It's a simplistic reason. They sit there and say, Hosanna to the Son of David. Let's praise the Son of David. Because we just saw him heal blind and lame people. I wonder sometimes if we overcomplicate our praise lives. <laughs> Do we overcomplicate our worship? There are so many things to simply praise him for. So many things he has done, proving himself over and over. And I want to be more childlike in this. I love the prayers of kids usually at Christmas time. I've heard. Maybe even my own children ask the Lord for their Christmas presents. Lord, hope we have a good Christmas. Can I please get the Xbox this year? Things of that nature. And uh, the older I get, the more I think God actually enjoys those prayers. There are times where, uh, you know, as a parent, you're like, don't pray for that. Just thank the Lord that He came on earth. And yet, I think they're just enjoying the Lord sometimes in their simple prayer life, saying, hey, it'd be really nice if I got that toy. <laughs> you know. And sometimes they even pray things like, and could all the kids in the world get Xboxes? That's what they need. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, it's good. I think it's good to be childlike like that, to not let our prayer life be hindered by um, complex things, but just simply thanking Him and asking Him for the things that are on our hearts. A second thing, if you turn to, 1 Corinthians chapter 14.
Second, I mean, First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse twenty, says this. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. What a great verse. Again, as I have said, God did not call us to be childish, but to be childlike. So when it comes to understanding, don't be simple-minded, maybe like kids. However, when it comes to being evil, some of your translations say be like an infant. Be like an infant. Do you know we kind of grow in our evil, right? The more we grow up, uh, if I got mad and, and I was a kid, well, the worst I probably wanted to do was maybe push my brother, maybe even throw a fist at his stomach. Evil, yes. But the older you get, the more your imagination has grown. And humans can take their evil and really do a lot more damage. A lot more damage. And you know, babies, they don't really hurt anyone. It's almost impossible for an infant to hurt someone evilly with evil intentions. They're not there. And so the verse is basically saying, listen, when it comes to being evil, be like a baby. Be like an infant. Don't hold grudges like adults do. At times, usually kids forgive a lot easier than adults. They just do. And I thought of the Lord Jesus coming as a baby in his ministry here on earth. He said over and over again, listen, I didn't come for those who were okay. I came for sick people. I came for those who needed to be healed. He didn't come into the world with a big grudge saying, you've messed up the last 3,000 years and now I'm here to fix it. He came in to help people. And to forgive them. Remember where it says there in John 3, right after our famous John 3, 16 verse. In John 3, 17, it says this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Interesting. Their deeds were evil. It would have been simple for Jesus to come and say, Listen, I'm going to fix all the evil right now. And I'm going to punish all of you who have been messing up. It wasn't his intent. His intent was to come and not condemn, but to show people love, show people the truth, show them the error of their way, and then eventually go to a cross knowing you guys can't save yourselves. That's why we love that verse in Luke, right? Unto us a child is born a Savior, which means that you need saving. <laughs> a Savior comes because something's wrong, and a people needed saving. I'm glad he came that way. There's something else there in Hebrews 12:7. It says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Being childlike can have the understanding that to be a child means you need to be trained. You need to be disciplined because your father loves you. 
we remember, right? And I don't know how this stuff works. But as Joseph is teaching his son how to do a trade, do you think Jesus just already knew how to do it? <laughs> and he already knew how to be a carpenter. He already knew how to work with his hands. And Joseph just kind of put the, the hammer on the table and said, get to work, and everything was perfect? I don't think so. Somehow, and I don't understand it all, but that Jesus allowed himself to go through the process of learning. Didn't take away any of his uh, abilities or uh, nature of his uh, Godhead, but I think there was times where his dad showed him how to do stuff. And what kind of humility is I mean, you know, I can't imagine. I just love to think about those things. With Jesus sitting there as Joseph is trying to tell him about the grains of the wood, maybe, and, and just we're making all this up, but you know, Jesus will I I know, I I created the trees. I I know, I I know exactly actually when this tree started and how it grew and but I want you to teach me how to carve it. Amazing. One of our problems as adults is we don't want to be taught anything. The incarnation would prove that God himself said, listen, I'm going to come and be able to be taught. It says he grew in wisdom and stature. Again, verses that you just kind of you don't get, but I admire. I admire. Would we allow God to train and discipline us? Not only are we called to be Christ-like, I mean, we are called to be Christ-like, childlike uh, through the incarnation, um, you know, Jesus Christ became dependent, completely dependent on his mom and dad. Dependent for food. I mean, again, we've talked about this so many times. What was it like that he was a baby that couldn't walk yet, couldn't crawl yet, and felt hunger pains? And as most babies do, cried. And Mary sat there and nursed him completely dependent on a woman to feed him. And without Mary, what happens? Now again, you know, it's kind of weird to go down that road. <laughs> All right? But there's an idea that God allowed himself to be dependent for food. Dependent. Babies have no problem, you know, crying for food <laughs> at all. Doesn't matter what time of the day it is, no matter what time of night it is, if they're hungry, usually they let out a cry. And so I wondered if we could actually take that example and be dependent on spiritual food and cry out to the Lord saying, Lord, I'm hungry. I need some spiritual food. I need you to just feed me. I, I just need your word to speak to me. I need some spiritual food. I don't know when the last time you cried out to the Lord like that was. Asking him just to teach you. And to feed you. I haven't done it a lot. And I don't know why. Because every time I do, he feeds me a lot. It's kind of weird, right? Like you know the Lord wants to feed you spiritually. And yet it's just like we don't want it. <laughs> we are those who need to be dependent on spiritual food. Dependent on the Bible. Dependent on his word. Jesus Christ was also... Depending on his parents for protection. How can the Almighty God need protection? Well, Herod's out to kill people. And the angel said, go to Egypt. 
Or could have written the story that the angel just kind of come down and wipe out Herod, right? That's another way to write the story. So why, why make him leave to go to another country? What's up with that? Someone was just part of that incarnation. He was dependent on his parents to protect him. That's why they went to Egypt. Turn to Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter three and verse one. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. You know we still need protecting, right? We need protection from evil, from ourselves. When's the last time we asked God to protect us? If you're like me, it's, it's, it's an automatic pride thing. Like, no, 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 no. I don't want you to protect me. I got this. I've been training for this. It's not the way it works. We're to be calling out to God. Protect me from evil. <laughs> Hide me from evil. Don't let me go hang out with evil people. Don't, don't. God, protect me from these situations because you know I'm going to fall. So please protect me. Protect me. There's so many times where we pray for protection for our children and never for us. Like somehow you only get tempted to mess up when you're a kid. Well, I'm a little more tempted now than when I was a kid. <laughs> we should be those who would just find a normal thing because of the incarnation that we cry out to God for protection. We cry out to him. Jesus Christ was dependent on someone to help clean him, right? When he ate, if you've ever fed a child, they get food all over their face. They get dirty, and typically a child doesn't really care about washing up. They just don't. He also had whatever they had back in those days. He had to have his diaper changed. That's weird, and sometimes it seems almost unholy. And yet God is the one that set that up. That Mary, probably not Joseph, if we're being real, Mary changed a lot of diapers, cleaned them up. And if she didn't, he would have got sick. I, I, I just I can't wrap my mind around that, that God put himself in that position. To just be completely dependent on his mom and dad to help him get clean. We know the infamous verse, right, of if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just. Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what I find out about children? They have no problem again yelling out saying it's time to clean me. You don't see a baby go, oh, I'll wait till the TV show's done. You don't see that. As soon as they're in a mess, they cry out and say, please clean me. And yet it's so hard for us sometimes as adults to say, Lord, I just need to be cleansed. The world has dirtied me up. I've let certain things in my life. Can you please just clean me up? 
takes us a long time sometimes to go to the Lord and ask for cleansing. Babies have no problem. No problem. And I would like to use glorified imagination saying Jesus Christ cried when he was dirty. God did that. Called on his parents, say, please come clean me. Jesus Christ was so dependent in some ways on his parents. Remember in John where he says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Sounds like dependency. We can do nothing without him. Nothing. Yet during this Christmas time, a lot of times we try to do everything and, and we, we try to make the 24-hour day turn into a 26-hour day. And I think some of us just need to stop and ask for help sometimes. But there's something about us that we feel we can take on the universe and just put all that on our shoulders. It's just not the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> we talked about it here at Brentford Bible Chapel. We're to be a people that are there for each other. And hey, there's times where we ask for help. In our spiritual walks, in our physical everyday life, we ask for help. Because that's the nature of being a child of God. The nature of being a child of God says one point in your life you cried out and said, God, I need saving. And that that didn't stop when you got saved. (laughs) You still need to cry out asking for help. Finally, for me, the incarnation also taught me about patience. The Jews waited a long time for their Messiah. Hundreds of years. Maybe thousands. We go back to Genesis. Long time. They waited and waited and waited. I'm always amazed that Jesus Christ waited 30 years before his public ministry. 30 years. Was there ever a thought that went through his mind? No, but... From my perspective of sitting there going, what am I doing here? I'm 21 years old. Why can't I just go save the world now? Why not start the process now? God did that. God God sat here on earth and asked his father, when do I start? And was content with not starting until the father gave the go. So long to be outside of heaven. So long to be down here on earth having to eat and sleep and getting tired. So long for working in maybe a carpenter's shop. And he just waited patiently until the day God said, okay, let's start the public ministry. It was 30 years. It's a lot of patience that we can learn from the incarnation. Everything about Joseph and Mary, it says when uh, they found out Herod was going to kill him, they waited until Herod died before they moved back. Does anyone else know when someone's going to die? Which means they move to another country not knowing when they're coming back. You got this miraculous birth. Suddenly you're 15, 16 years old. You're pregnant. You're having a baby. You just got married. Oh, and now you have to move to another country. And you don't know when you're coming back. You don't know. You're just waiting patiently on God's promise. Because he said, this child's different. If I'm sitting there in Egypt, I'm going, hello, what happened to Herod? Did he die yet? <laughs> anyone, anyone get Herod yet? <laughs> I don't feel like living in Egypt anymore. 
patience. Wise men sought him out patiently. Patiently. Traveled a lot. Patience. We are to be a patient people. Do you remember what we read about in James? James chapter 5 and verse 7. It says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. One of the things that should be able to help us in our patience is to know that Jesus Christ himself is very patient. Waited 30 years. And oh, by the way, by the time he got to the point where he's going to start doing public ministry, he knew now the end is near. <laughs> he never had a point in his life where it was kind of like, hey, what do you want to do with your life? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll go be this trade. Maybe I'll go do this trade. Maybe hopefully I'll have a wife, have kids. He never had that. He had a purpose from day one. And he had to wait, wait, wait. And now he got the green light. And now he's going to start to do public ministry. And the whole time, people are sometimes praising him and He's healing people and everything looks wonderful. And he's telling them, hey, listen to me. These guys are going to kill me. No, 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 no. You're setting up the kingdom. People are getting, and this is crazy. Blind people are seeing and lame people are walking. Demons are getting kicked out of people. Those religious leaders, you just open your mouth and they kind of shut up sometimes. This is amazing. I'm telling you, they're going to kill me. No, that's not going to happen. No. That's not why you're here. You're here to set up the kingdom. The whole story has always been flipped. It's always been opposite of what we think. Came as a baby. Was very patient. Then he started doing all these miraculous works and just relied on the Father and trusted him even in his death. A lot of patience. We're going to close today with a song, but before we do that, I wanted to just encourage us. This great time of the year where we think about God becoming like a baby, maybe we should be more childlike. Maybe we should be more dependent on Him. Maybe we should be more patient like Him. We should also be, be like the shepherd and worship and praise Him as well for the way He's done things. On with this story, one year when Christmas Day fell on a Sunday, a farmer decided to go to church. Like some people, he thought he was fulfilling his religious obligation by going to church twice a year at Christmas and Easter. The sermon that day was preached from the text, The ox knows his owner and the donkey his master's crib, but Israel does not know my people does not consider. This is in the book of Isaiah, what God was saying about his people. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 3, The ox knows his owner, even the donkey his master's crib, but Israel does not know, my people don't consider. Isaiah is saying that the man is dumber than the animals. After church, the farmer returned home and stood among his cows. One of them began to lick his hand, a practical demonstration of the sermon he had just heard. Strong man though he was, the farmer began to cry and thought, God did so much for me, 
yet I have never thanked him. My cow is far more grateful than I am. What did I ever give her other than grass or water? I think it's just so easy to miss the obvious during this time. To just thank the Lord over and over for what he's given us. Even your pets acknowledge they go crazy when you give them a treat. They just love you to pieces. And yet God has decided to become like us for a purpose to save us from our sins. He came as a man with seer on earth, did many miraculous things. And still, still wants nothing more than to be with you and to love you. We heard about it last week, just God visiting us, just wanting us to be with him no matter what. And there's so many of us that don't even consider it, don't even think about it. I pray this Christmas we would just consider the fact that God became a man because he loves us. And we should just thank him for it. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much for uh, you coming to earth. Thank you so much that uh, you know what it's like to grow up. and You know what it's like to be an adult with a job. You know what it's like to have friends. You know what it's like for them to turn their backs on you. You know what it's like to be completely right and falsely accused. You know what it's like to go through pain and suffering. You know what it's like to be lonely. Lord, you know what it's like, and only you, to take the wrath of God the Father, to become sin. You're the only one that knows that. To be baptized with that, we stand in awe of you. We worship you. We thank you. We are grateful today. You decided to intervene. We were a lost people. And you have now brought us nigh. Thank you so much. In your name, amen.